This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show, and he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. It's the Jeremiah Show and Evolve Entertainment. Featuring It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Mike Gormley presents Music Icons, The Arwen Lewis Show, and The Angel Baby Show. Welcome to The Jeremiah Show. Isn't it the strangest feeling when you finally register someone's name and face? You put a name and a face, and you connect the dots to something else that you already knew. It's like your ears, your mind, your heart. They've been aware of this person for years before you finally recognize them fully. You know what I mean? And you say, wait, I know you. This happens to me all of the time on this show. I have a lot of like aha moments. I'll be talking to a guest and I'll say, you did that? You did that song? You were on that song? I love that song. So here's a question for you. Of your favorite songs, how many, and I'm talking to the listeners here, how many of those could you name all of the musicians that played on one of your favorite songs? How many stories do you remember from an interview of your favorite artist? How many artist stories are so incredible that you actually remember them and can call them back up? Well, my special guest today has lived a life that you won't soon forget. And so in a half dream state, I feel like I've known him all of my life. There is that feeling of deja vu because essentially I've known him all of my life. And so have you. He has played in my favorite clubs. He has been on TV shows that I loved when I was young. His songs have appeared on my favorite TV shows now in my adult life or in recent past. His music has been in my mind and heart and on my lips when I sang along. They have been played and replayed and they've traveled through me and through with me through the years. But again, I didn't know his name. But now I do. He's crossed over from that ethereal dream state that I've been in all these years, his face has sharpened. It pushes through that fog of my subconscious and it comes into focus. He is here with me today. He is in front of me. My very special guest, Jeff Scott. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Jeremiah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So nice. It really is, you know, all what I said there, all you know, music and soundtracks and, you know, they've, they've traveled with me. And when I read your bio, I was telling you this off air. I don't think I've read a more interesting bio of a musician in all these years. I just thought, wow, it's going to be really cool to get to know you this, this episode. So I'm so happy that you're here. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. So you weren't born on the West coast, right? You were, you were an East coast baby. I was born in Philadelphia. I never lived there. I was there when I was a baby, like I was maybe one. I don't remember anything about it. And then my folks moved to New York City. So basically, my life was New York. And this Mm -hmm. is like the 60s, you know, being a little kid. And it was... The greatest, it gave me my spine in life. Um, It just seemed like everything was there. You know, it's just the center of the universe. It just, everybody was there. I had many, many friends, all different kinds of friends from England, from Puerto Rico, from, you know, you name it. They were, they were inspiring people to me. And, um, when my family, when my family decided to move to California, 
I had friends. I was going, oh, yeah, we're going to move to California. I was like little. And we're like, oh, yeah, my dad's going to move to California. And some of my friends would be like, have you ever been to California? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Where? Uh, Los Angeles. It's the sticks. It's got <laughs> dirt, dust, humbleweeds. And, you know, and I thought it was going to be like Manhattan with the Beach Boys, like on the yeah. beach. and. We moved to Northridge, California, which is in the San Fernando Valley, like way in the back of the San Fernando Valley. I remember driving up the 405 freeway into the valley, and there was tumbleweeds going across <laughs> the, the freeway. And at that time, it was smoggy where the air was yeah, brown. Remember that. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is hell. You know, I can't believe it. But um, but it was December and it was 90 degrees. And I would ask my friends, when is it going to rain? You know, wh when is it rain? They go, oh, it's not going to rain for a year. I'm like, <laughs> a year? What? <laughs> so I got into that being in December, you know, with the Santa Ana winds. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that so funny. It's the it's the the sticks. You're in the boonies in Los Angeles. You it know, was. That, it, that I is. mean, I was expecting it to look like um that part of LA. I thought it was gonna look like Manhattan. You know, yeah. I didn't realize until I was able to drive. Oh, there's Hollywood. That's a universe mm -hmm. far away from where I lived in Northridge. And then there's downtown, there's the cult. Century kind of City. I mean, there was like, you know, Isn't that's that interesting. That's yeah, so yeah, I, I just, love that about LA. When I moved there too, I, I I was so I was actually scared of it. I thought because like, I'd seen all those gangster, you know, colors and um, you know, Training Day and all these these gang movies. So I was a little scared of it when I when I moved there. But isn't it what I loved actually was that you're right. Like you can go twenty blocks and you're in a whole nother town or city almost like beverly hills or santa monica or oh, west yeah. la it's so interesting i actually really like that because you can almost reinvent yourself by crossing that imaginary line 20 blocks away and you're in a whole new group of friends a whole group of people right you know uh, i my parents left when i uh graduated from high school my my parents moved to canada they moved to toronto canada and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going. So, I mean, I got with the program in Los Angeles, like through high school, yeah. because I was able to go, because I had a beard when I was in high school, I was able to go into the whiskey or the Roxy and nobody would ever look at my driver's license because they go, oh yeah, this dude, yeah, come in, you know. I want to um, talk about that. I want to, I want to get into that. Go ahead, finish your sentence. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, it's just that um, you know, but I I learned I, I was like, yeah, I I love LA, okay. I, I'm gonna just jump ahead. In all the places I've lived around this world, I always dream about coming back to LA. Doesn't matter where I am in the world, I'll have a dream like going to ralph's which is a supermarket mm -hmm. you know i'm like what am i well, i'm in i'm in melbourne australia i'm in london what am i doing you know but anyway i'm with I, you on that you know what and you're the first person that that has admitted that they love it like usually we say oh like oh god i'm so glad i don't live there anymore or you know they do all the the, the it's almost like it's instinct they just say you just say it because you have to say you don't like it but i actually love la i love every little gritty piece about it good and bad uh oh the gardener's here <laughs> let me do you need a pause okay yeah so i just love la personally and i'm glad to find find a brother that loves la as well <laughs> finally after all these years before we get into that sunset boulevard and I, if you can, I mean, you're doing a great job with it, Jeff, but bring all this stuff to life because we've got listeners all over the world. And I think this is an, a great, unique opportunity to kind of bring that, the imagery and the, what it was like uh, 
in those days on Sunset Boulevard at these great clubs. And then, you know, the music and the musicians and just that vibe, it was, it was alive. But before we do that, um, let's, let's touch on what I've, uh, there's a theme over all these years. I've noticed when I talk to music artists that they knew they were going to pursue music early in life. It just, they just knew. And, Mm -hmm. and you're, you're not different. You fall into that as well. There, there's some sort of calling. It feels like it comes early for a music artist or a good music artist, somebody that makes their life all about music and exploring and sharing music. When did it hit you? Like, what was that experience like for you, Jeff? I was, I was maybe five. And I remember listening to, um, I, I loved transistor radios and I listened to, I, when I first heard, the kinks you really got me that i was like the hell is that i mean the sound is what i was like i never heard anything like that before i was aware of the beatles you know i i I can't say that i was you know that uh, you know it was probably like older friends sisters or brothers that were like oh if you like music you gotta listen to beatles but I just knew as soon as I heard that, and, 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 and it, it just consumed my life. I swear it just, my whole, I, I, I withdrew and, and just was hungry to hear everything. I did listen to the Beatles. I listened to, um, like soul music. I loved soul music. And I, and, and I, when I was little, I had a, I told you it's transistor radio and one night you know i'm listening to uh whether it's uh wnew or you know i'm listening and i was fiddling around and i and i heard uh tears of a clown and it was so staticky and so there was maybe an echo to it just like really creepy and i'm listening to it and it was this station out of windsor ontario called KC, uh, uh, CKLW. And like the guy, was, this is Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And I'm like, what? Like I was hearing, and I didn't hear it every night. It was, it was I, whenever the sky opened up and I was able to get the signal. But that was the first time I would listen and hear like Stevie Wonder and uh, um, the animals and moms and the papas and the mom, you know, like all these different all these different people i remember um i heard when i heard let it be i was used to the radio in it i guess because there was a longer guitar solo and they played the longer guitar solo i was mm-hmm. like oh my god there's a whoa, 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 you know so i just knew it just consumed my life and all i wanted to do I never had any guitar lessons. I picked up a guitar. I would look at magazine photos and see the way that they were holding their hands. I'd be like, oh, hey, you know, okay, maybe this, you know. And I I just was in my room playing, just trying to play. You would teach yourself, you'd look at even photos to teach yourself, to train yourself how to play guitar. Yeah, I, I, I was, I, you know, it, it just consumed my life. It was all I thought about. I mean, so, drove my, drove my parents crazy because they thought I was crazy, but I would literally just be sitting in my room. I, you know, I, I begged my parents to give me like a little record player that played 45. So I would sit there. I would sit there and just play and try and learn the songs. You know, my parents at one point said, maybe you should get guitar lessons because you got to know what, what you're doing. And I was like, really? Like, I, mean, I kind of like what I'm doing here. I remember I took one guitar lesson and when they saw what I was doing, the, the, <laughs> the, the guitar teacher said, no, 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 you're, what are you doing? You trained yourself. And, I, and I'm going like, well, I'm having fun. I don't know what you're doing, you know. So I 
So I stopped doing that. But um, yeah, just consume my life. And I'm sure, and I know there's a lot of other musicians and songwriters that have know what I'm saying. That it's yeah. they've all it's experienced. So, it's so interesting to me that it, that it consumes your life so young, and then you make a life out of it. There's got to be something there that kind of like you know just speaks to you to a musician in a different way than it you know i really love music and enjoy music but i never thought of picking up a guitar or learning how to sing or anything i just i was just on the other side a fan we have a we also have a um a, a com something in common when i was a kid i would put a transistor radio under my pillow and but i would listen to talk radio and you were listening to music that's a, interesting to me that uh i'm now doing talk radio and you're doing you're still a musician <laughs> <laughs> let's um let's jump back flash forward again to you with your beard and uh on the sunset strip in the 70s when your family moved there then they went home and you stayed there but but like describe the strip the whiskey a go-go i mean everybody probably in the world knows the whiskey they've seen it in a movie or heard of it the whiskey a go-go the roxy the troubadour i was just down there a couple days ago eating across from the whiskey a go-go and just admiring the club i knew uh, a guy sigh that used to run uh, I think it was the the whiskey a go go for th thirty years. But describe the strip. Describe when I say the strip, it's Sunset Strip, right? Um, bring all of its beauty and its grittiness to life from your perspective at that time. And what was okay. it like as a teenager being out on the Sunset Strip at night with the music and the fans and and all that? It, it was okay. It was the seventies, so. Um, Power Records, which used to be uh, right, it's off of uh, Sunset. Right by Wolfgang Puck. Um, right. Um, that was where you would go and hang out, like Fridays and Saturday nights. You would go, it, like you would hang out there and stay there for hours. Okay, that was where it all started because that you'd be into import records or you whatever your favorite band you know like i was really into david bowie and you know i you know they would you know they would have the albums painted in the front and then they have you know oh new david bowie you know record or yes i was really into yes and and you know new yes or you could buy like melody maker magazine you know that's where you got all the information and then you would just walk out make a right and walk up and there would be the whiskey right there on the corner a couple of a couple of buildings up was the roxy then there was the rainbow bar and grill and it was just and billboards the billboards were amazing they were just they were like you would drive down and see like oh my god that there's a new album coming out from whoever you know it, it was being a teenager and and just wanting to be in that world i mean i would go there every friday and saturday with my friends you know like when we were, learned how to drive we're like, dog dude we're going to hollywood you know and we would just walk around and just the way like, you know, shag haircuts and and, um, you know, like I saw people like Rufus at at um, at the whiskey, um, you know, Alex Harvey, Dwight Twilly, uh, Silverhead with Michael DeBars, um, Climax Blues Band. Bruce Springsteen at the Roxy, uh, like when he played his famous Roxy shows, I was at one of those shows. And, and you know, it was when the Roxy had tables, you know, there mm -hmm. were tables and you would sit there and watch the band, but they were like tables. I remember I got there when they were. Uh, Bruce Springsteen was doing a sound check and it was like early in the afternoon and me and my friend were like sitting there going, oh man, you know, because he wanted to like stand in line and not be like way, way down the street. And I'm sitting out on those little concrete things they have in parking lots where you park, you know, where you can't, they're, um, yeah. the, those concrete things. Yeah. And I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette and all of a sudden I hear, hey, 
can I, you know, can I bum one of those off of you? And I'm like, I look up and it's Bruce Springsteen. And and he's like, and he's and he's like, and I go, I go, yeah, and I give him a cigarette and he sits down next to me and goes, he goes, how, how how old are you? And I go, you know, I'm I'm, you know, I'm like 16. And he goes, and you get my it, it was um born to run. When born to run. Wow. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm like 16. And he goes, and you get my album and you get it? And I go, oh, yeah. I mean, I remember being a little kid and hearing Meeting Under the Bridge, which is such a sad song, even if you hear it today. it's. But I remember hearing it going like, man, I don't know what that's like. But after hearing that, that's what it's like, you know, and that kind of energy is what was happening on the sunset mm -hmm. strip there you know i mean all these people now where you know i mean he's plays like you know to you know hundred thousand people a night four-hour show i saw him when he was playing at the roxy that's incredible and you know what's so what you just mentioned sitting down i know exactly what you're where you're talking about the parking lot there and and afterwards like after a show or you'd go out to get some fresh air right and you've got you're, you're buzzed by the music, you're buzzed by the alcohol or whatever, and and the it's ringing in your ears and you sit well, in the parking lot. Because I, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I was well, like, I mean, nah, yeah. I'm just learning how to drive, you know, I'm not, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you weren't drinking alcohol, but you know, a yeah. lot of people are and there. It's a club and these are all clubs and you kind of hop between them and you go see your, sh you go see the shows and then you, people gather in the parking lots after at 2 a.m. and 2.30 and then the party, you know, the Chateau Marmont's down the street and then you've got parties in the Hollywood Hills and I've spent nights sitting on those curbs not smoking cigarettes. I never smoke, but I know what you're talking about. I never met Bruce yeah. Springsteen either. I guess I picked the wrong night, <laughs> but it's such a, it's such a, scene. I mean, I, I, mean uh, I saw, I saw Genesis at the Roxy, you know, we're going to talk about here in a with, minute. with, with Peter Gabriel, when he was the singer, you know, I, I was, I was all about going to these shows the and in the scene. Do you remember what the Rainbow Room uh, smelled like? <laughs> you know, I mean, they probably all kind of smelled the same, but I remember sitting in a booth in the Rainbow Room going, this is the smell of rock and roll. <laughs> right? Now, let me tell you something. My son actually has a clothing store right caddy corner from where the where the Tower Tower used to be. Um, it's a really cool place called HBarC. He had a party there a couple of weeks ago and the love of my life, she and I walked up. I go, let's go eat at the rainbow. I was just there the other yeah. night. It's, it was like, like Halloween stuff was going on. I, love I, that I was don't... there going, Oh my God, I haven't been here in like 40 years. Did know? it feel like you could like the smell and the look and like, it all comes like hitting you in the face. These memories. I would imagine it did for me when I went in there and I'm like, Wow. Oh yeah. Like, well, we're, you, well, just we're... Know the, you just know, I mean, you can almost see the ghosts of all the greats that have been, that have come through. Right. So we're sitting there cause we're telling each other stories about when we used to go there and I look over and there's Sebastian Bach sitting there, mm -hmm. you know, he's sitting at, at one of the tables right by the front door. And I go, look, there's Sebastian Bach. I mean, so the, you know, those ghosts are still there, you know? Yeah. It, it even though that he's like, alive, but I mean, he was there to see it. I mean, Tower, when I think of Tower, I mean, it's, it, was that the original? I can't remember. I know Spago was like right up the hill above it in bright yellow. You couldn't miss it. Yeah. Both sides are coming from sunset, you know, for miles. But do you think it's changed aside from that close? I mean, Tower closing being the starting point where everybody gathered and then went out into the night. Do you think? Sunset has changed those clubs. It's, it's changed. The Tower Records is now a Supreme store. I don't know what, if you know what those are, but they sell like high end, like Nikes and hoodies. And mm -hmm. um, it's pretty popular. It's kind of like that whole new generation of, of that. And like I said, my son's got a store across the street, but when you go up, to the whiskey and the Roxy, it's kind of 
crummy now. I mean, it's not, I mean, they're there, but it's like, you know, the people that play, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's like, I don't know any, any of the bands playing the whiskey. There's hardly any people playing the Roxy. Um, like I said, the Rainbow Room was still there and it was packed. But um, it, it's definitely, if you know the geography, um, so where Tower Records would be. So if you went to the right, that's where the Whiskey and the Roxy was. If you went to the left, you would go to a place called Sunset Plaza. And that's really high end. And there's a lot of, you know, rich techie kids that shop there and great restaurants. That's really high end. And it's not that far from where the whiskey um, is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, changed. It was, uh, I, I doubt Barfly was around when you were there. Do you remember Barfly? The bar yeah, bar, for a Barfly while? was there sort of in the 90s. Yeah. That yeah, was, it's not there anymore now. But I remember that those that was my times down there. But I mean, there was you would just bump into these rock stars, you know, walking in and out. Right, you had the Viper Room down there. You had uh, I remember Bill Maher at the Barfly one night with and then uh, um, Hugh um, Hefner showed up with with his seven girlfriends out of a limo. And I mean, that whole it was just the scene down there. It was like. It was just such a that 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 area was just. Um, I mean, there was also, alive. you know, there was also Gazaris, which was like that was that was a little further west of the Roxy. The first time I ever played Gazaris, which was a really cool venue as well. Um, I was in high school. I had a band, and we were kind of a prog rock like we were really into yes and genesis and and uh, they they used to have a stage the main stage was at the bottom and they had a stage above the main stage and we played up on the top level and we played and we're you know pretty good musicians and there was a spiral staircase that went up to the top stage and as i'm walking down there's this guy with blonde hair, he's with these two beautiful women. He's walking up, and he he looks at me, and he goes, "Hey, you guys are you guys are really good, man, but you gotta play dance music." <laughs> we were actually opening for Mammoth, which was Van Halen. Yeah, wow. That was David Lee Roth. Oh man, walking up the and he goes, "You guys, I just the way he goes, she gotta play dance music, man. You gotta <laughs> play." And we're all like, you know, but yeah, that's, that's that it. was another place, Gazaris. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, let's get, take a real quick break. I went over. Um, the, I did. I tell you, this was going to be a fascinating story. We barely cracked the surface of your life, but we're we're in high school. We're going to leave high school and 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 then talk about your um your successes your different bands that you were in and and something okay. down the timeline let's just take that break but don't go anywhere i am today here with uh, jeff scott this is such a fun conversation check him out on facebook at jeff.scott.14 follow him on instagram at jeff setter so let me spell it for you it's only one f j-e-f s-e-t-t-e-r you only have one f when you're really cool like jeff uh on youtube youtube at jeff setter 57 and on x at jeff setter again one f um and he's also written a film that's currently in production and when it when it comes out come back jeff i want to talk about it with you but lost and found filmed in portland with james standridge and salmon river film He's on Sony Orchids label. You can find his music anywhere you find your music and listen. Follow him. And uh, he's got a new single that we're going to premiere at the very end of the show today. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the single is Talk to Me. It's incredible. I'm going to take you out right now with Daddy's Gonna Make You a Star. We'll be right back.
like to watch? Subscribe to The Jeremiah Show on YouTube. Hi, this is Jeff Scott, and you are listening and watching The Jeremiah Show, beamed all over the world. Enjoy. by the wind and rain they took off east i think that's what they did they were just two of the wildest bored creatures on earth fed up with work strip bars and loneliness galore in an old oldsmobile that one of them bought off their father they ate up so much road they was grinning <laughs> then they came upon the thing Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. Jeff Scott's my special guest today. We're going to premiere his new song, Talk to Me. It's coming up at the uh, end of the show. Don't go anywhere. We just came in with the Church of Logic, Sin and Love. And we're talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll on Sunset Strip. <laughs> and, uh, well, maybe not all of those because Jeff was 16 at that time. But he's getting a little bit older. And what happens next, Jeff? Welcome back. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. So, um, so I, uh, I was asked to join a band, Geisha, and we were actually managed by a company called Avalon Attractions, which was really big in the 70s. They did all the concerts, and we were fortunate because we opened up for, you know, Cheap Trick, Jimmy Cliff, Molly Hatchet, Tom Robinson Band, the Rockets, like, I mean, we were always on the road. And we um, we were playing in um, Arizona and we were uh, opening up for this band called Detective, who was, I had heard that they were the only band that Zeppelin signed to Swan Song. And um, I was curious to see them because I knew that Michael Monarch used to be in um, Steppenwolf and uh, Michael DeBars was in Silverhead, and I and I wanted to check it out. And when we were doing sound check, I look over, and the keyboard player is Tony K from Yes, the original keyboard player. And I just go, you know, and I walked up to him, and I just, you know, and we had done our sound check and stuff like that. And they were, and I walk up to him, I said, you know, sir, I, I, I love you so much. And and he goes, do you want a keyboard player? <laughs> and I was like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna leave this band. Do you want? Do you need a keyboard player?" So he joined Gaeta, and so we continued touring. And and when we had like a development deal with MCA, we recorded a record. It was, it was okay. Um, so we decided to to get rid of that. Um, I, I, well, I, I left the band. Tony left the band. He actually went to go join Badfinger. Badfinger was regrouping. And at the time, I was I had my own thing, and I met this actor named Willie Ames. I was playing at the Whiskey one night. I didn't even know who he was because I didn't watch TV. And I'm I kind of, I was, was. Done, <laughs> I was done playing, and I'm kind of like backstage, and I see these furry boots. All I see are these furry boots, and I look up, and there's this guy, like he's like staring at me, and and he goes, "I, I was gonna go to the Roxy to go see Brand X, and I heard your guitar playing, and I came in here, 
and I, and he goes, God, you you know, you were great. And I was like, well, I was like, hey, thanks, man. And he's kind of sitting, hit a posse. He's just staring at me, and then he kind of turned and walked away. And the girl that I was with, she goes, do you know who that is? I go, no. She goes, that's Willie Ames from Eight Is Enough. Anyway, he somehow he he contacted Mm -hmm. me and asked me to write songs for him uh, because he was going to do an album. And I wrote some songs, and the songs that I wrote for him ended up being songs that they were using on eight is enough and they and he said well why don't you can you act and i was like sure so i ended up being on the last season of the show writing songs for him and we performed them and stuff like that and then um and then after when that was done because i was on the last season and then i was asked by tony k after that was done he goes i want to manage you so we went in Tony and he, K from from yes from yes right Keyboard, yeah and he goes so uh, we're going to go in and do a demo so we went in and did this demo the drummer was a guy named jay sheldon who funny enough is the drummer for yes now he took mm. when alan white died but he was the guy that played he just moved down from new mexico with randy castillo and bobby benelli the three of them all came from albuquerque to take on la you know and um i ultimately got a record deal with epic records and what happened with that was jay was went to go do something else tony went to go do yes with 9021 you know owner of a lonely heart so i never you know he was busy playing the world over and over again so i just was by myself with a producer and we did my my solo album and i i needed a drummer i needed a great drummer so i was like going to like madam wong's you know i was going to all these different clubs to try and find a drummer and i see this guy one night named brian hit who is now the drummer of ario speedwagon he's been with them for a long time love i love him he's he's yeah I, yeah great band too he's great yeah he's a great guy and when the producer they go oh we're gonna need a bass player we're gonna need i go no 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 no. i can play guitar and bass brian and i can just do this and i played keyboards and we literally did that record just me and brian and yeah i read that you played all the the guitars bass guitars the keyboards no no brian are you kidding me like brian, brian, no, brian did drums and you did yeah. everything else right yeah so that album came out did a little tour nothing really happened but one of the things that was cool about that experience was i met this guy named david sigerson and he was a songwriter or is a songwriter but was starting to become a record producer kind of like a buzz and in, in hollywood about him and we wrote two songs together on my solo album called relative to you and graceland this is before paul simon's graceland and um and when my record wasn't when my solo album wasn't doing anything i was like you know i don't know if this is gonna last and he goes you know what i'm i need you i need you for um i got tons of projects I want you to be like my guy because you can play everything and i can play drums as well but but not like brian but but i became like his go-to guy and we worked on the first album that i worked on was a guy named james rain from australia now that was always a childhood dream of mine was to go to australia so we recorded in la but after that i would do other people like paul hyde from the paolas you remember that the paolas um they had a song called eyes of a stranger oh yeah that's yeah. that that's paul hyde song. wrote that bob rock and paul hyde uh-huh. a guy named gregory gray who sadly passed about three years ago from ireland i did tori amos the I first that, yeah i love that that's a yeah good um, the little earthquakes record mm-hmm um did ernie isley 
thing, uh, Olivia Newton-John. But anyway... See what I mean? Your your music, this is what I said in the beginning, the, the, the music of, and the listeners probably are like waking up to the, the way I did when I started realizing all the things that I've loved that, that you've been involved in. Sons of Anarchy, the TV show, I love that. Right. You know, we, we had uh, Happy on, uh, David LaBrava, a while back. He's a uh-huh. character. Um, I got to take another break in a minute and a half. Can I back up a little bit? Because you've said so much here and done so much. And uh, dude, I, yeah. if you could help. Yes. Was such a big, can you, we don't have a lot of time. So maybe short, quick answers. I got like three for you. Yes. Was like, describe what, how big yes was and, and what that meant to you as a band, how, why they meant so much to you. Yes. Was when I was a kid, I would, when I listened to, the Yes album, Fragile, Close to the Edge, those three albums, that was like reading a book to me. Like I would just listen to those albums over and over and over and over. And for some reason, that music talked to me. I I don't know what it is. It was just like, Mm -hmm. um, it it, it just, I I don't know. It was like, I, I got it, like big time. And so then, you know, Tony, like, what was you're like, and then he's your keyboardist, and then he wants to manage you. So, mm-hmm. what, what isn't it? Well, he, well, you know, we're talking about the so, rainbow earlier. So interesting. But we're talking about the rainbow earlier. That's where Tony and I, after we worked, he lived right around the corner by the whiskey. I we would I, I would play him new songs. He would record me on his little Revox tape recorder. Then we would go to the Roxy and and hang out there and drink beer and um, eat pizza. And I mean, that was what that was our day was we would go to the rainbow. But yeah, he 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 was a big influence in my life. Wow. So great how life turns out and how it all works out the way, you know, if you if you work hard and you pursue it and some it's a little bit of its luck um okay so i've i am actually got to take the break but i got one last one for you about tony when he decided when he wanted to manage you he can't he approached you what was his what was his quick pitch did did, did he have to pitch you no no no, no he's like okay he, i'm in <laughs> no no i actually had just come home i wrote a song for a, a willie ames movie i was in israel for about four months I wrote a song. He was in a movie with Phoebe Cates. It was called Paradise. And I wrote a song there. So I was there for four months. When I got back to Los Angeles, I called Tony. I said, hey, I'm I'm back in, in L.A. And he just goes, well, I'm glad you're back in L.A. because I want to manage you. Huh. And I was like, OK. Like there was no like that's how much I loved him. You know, like I, I trusted him. And I, I was, there wasn't even like, I was just, okay, let's do it. You know, like that was it. That was the pitch. <laughs> that was it. You're in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talking with uh, Jeff Scott. This We're going to take you out right now with Bowling with Dimes. Uh, I just love all this music. It's so good. Thank and, you, sir. And hang out with us because we're going to play in its entirety his new single at the end of the show. Talk to me. That's a, that's a powerful song as well. Love that. Um, you can find Jeff Scott on Facebook at jeff.scott.14 on Instagram. Or you can just type in Jeff Scott. I found him pretty quickly myself on Instagram, Jeff Stetter, J-E-F-S-E-T-T-E-R. And on YouTube, follow. And I uh, got some great videos up there and great live performances. And on X at Jeff Setter. We will be right back. Enjoy Bowling with Dimes. One summer morning in early June I could not sleep a wink Tomorrow's too soon I'll be on a journey Going on a train So long Manhattan I'll see you again This little boy of 
up will ya there is a lot going on here subscribe and always be in the no crowd hi this is jeff scott and you're listening and watching me on the jeremiah show and i'm very proud to introduce my brand new single talk to me available everywhere Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. My very special guest today is Jeff Scott, and we're listening to Only You. Um, really great music. Uh, I'll put up a soundtrack on SoundCloud, and you can find Jeff Scott everywhere. Uh, I'll get out of all the socials again here in a moment. When we left you at the last segment, Jeff had, uh, he just had this really productive time in his life, and, and he had dreamt of going to Australia all his life and now it was a reality and he's in Australia and starts to meet all these great musicians and, and creatively became very productive. Take it from there, Jeff. So it was funny. I always wanted to go to Australia. So I became on one of the guys that was recording with James Rain. He called me, we did the record. It was about, it was on EMI, it was going to be released. It, they were putting a lot of money. He called me up and said, from Melbourne, would you come down here and be my musical director? And I was like, hell yeah. So uh, I go down there, put a band together. Actually found our bass player is Andy Sashon, who's now is the bass player for Billy Joel. Been with Billy for many years. So we get, I'm used to playing Madame Wong's you know, the whiskey, the Roxy. My first show was at the Sydney Entertainment Center at, it was called Countdown, which was a, a big show that was there. And I'm sitting in front of In Excess, Crowded House, Midnight Oil. They're all sitting like right there. They're looking at me on this huge, it's like playing the Staples Center, the Crypto Center, whatever. Anyway, I still call it the Staples Center. <laughs> yeah, but it's like um, out of that experience there, I got offered to write for lots of people. My uh, The guy who played keyboards with James Rain, a guy named Simon Hussey, we actually put together an album because I had a band called The Men in the early 90s, which was getting a big push from Poly, Polygram Records. But right before we went on tour, Simon called me up and said, you know, we've done all this work together for other people. Let's get together and write. So right before we went on tour, I flew to Melbourne. He had a recording studio at his home. We wrote a song a day, 15 songs. I, I said, I got to go back to LA. We wrote a song a day, recorded it all. He mixed it. It ended up being 
one of the number one records we got signed to sony it was called Comp the band's called company of strangers we won three aria awards which is like the grammys in australia and it was literally like just a joke like we were just like let's write together we write oh let's write a song a day sure okay I'm 15, 15 yeah. songs in 15 days had it ever come to you that quickly writing and and creating songs before yeah, or it, it, it does i mean you know when i was in mexico i just got back from mexico and all i did was write every day i wrote wrote a new song in fact bowling with dimes that you heard that was done in Mexico. And uh, my song Talk to Me, that was done in Mexico. I mean, it's, you know. It you live in Mexico easy. half the year right now, right? If pretty pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I just got back. Um, and then I'm going to go back next year. I'm got, I got to go back to Portland and finish the film Lost and Found. But anyway, yeah, Mexico. Why do you love? Campus, like way down by guatemala it's not by the beach it's in the mountains it's so you have like a, a, a like a recording studio and you go create and i write just bring, and... i bring it with me mm -hmm. i just bring my mac mini i i bring all you know whatever it is and um in fact quickly bowling with dimes and the song talk to me which you're going to hear later all i had all i recorded it on was this mm all the guitars and the bass was all done on this Does your guitar was, have a name it's it's a baby tail it's just a baby tailor <laughs> okay but this is this is all i used so you, you pack you travel light but you come with armed with good good music all right oh, we got to break jeff um and then we're going to come back and we're going to play the single for everybody we've been uh teasing them all show all the entire show Joe, we're gonna hear your new single and find out what you're up to right now so don't go anywhere we'll okay be right back with jeff scott and let me tell you but before I, I let you go though hold on picking up the pieces god i can't i don't know if i can pick a favorite song because there's one after another these are all just so beautiful we'll be right back with more of jeff scott seven every time by advertising on the jeremiah show and get your message out on seven shows we're always on the radio before the next great song plays let's pause to consider all the people who work tirelessly to bring us the music we love music cares is music's leading national charity that provides a safety net of support and crisis relief for the music community everyone from musicians to tour managers sound engineers to designers can rely on music cares to provide emergency financial assistance and essential resources in times of need find out how you can help at musiccares.org that's m-u-s-i-c-a-r-e-s.org Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. Only you is what, oh, excuse me, no, we already played that. Ultimate sensation. But you know what I'm going to do after the show? I'm going to go play Only You again. because <laughs> We're listening to Ultimate Sensation right now. We've got the Ultimate Sensation right here on the show. Jeff Scott, welcome back. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, sir. 
been a great hour with you. I can't wait to have you back to talk about the film and, and more music at some point down the road a little ways. But now we've been teasing the, the listeners this whole show. You got to talk to me. It's your, your new single, and we want to premiere it here in its entirety in just a moment. You want to set up the song for us? Well, it's an interesting song. It's not a pretty subject. It's about, um, it's about depression. It's about, it's about isolation because we've all been through this last three and a half years, crazy times. And a lot of people have either been lucky to, to go forward and some people are still kind of weird. And it's just a song about, you know what? We've all experienced something weird We've all been depressed. We've all been whatever has been bothering us. But you know what? Talk to me, because I felt the same way. And it's and that's all it is. It's just my way of saying to my some of my friends that I've, were in my mind thinking about, it's just like, talk to me. Like, I, I'll tell you stories that'll probably make you freak out about how I felt during these past three and a half years. I mean, my parents died. I mean, it was crazy stuff, you know, but um, but that's you really all it is. And I just want it to be, I want it to be a very positive thing, but that's the catalyst. That's the foundation of how I wrote it. Mm. You know, you said it's not a great topic or beautiful topic, but it's a beautiful song. Um, that's what struck me when I, I heard it. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thank um, you, sir. It captures, you know, the it, it almost captures some of those feelings you might be going through, but then has that message, you know, the positive message to talk to you, talk to somebody. Um, right. We, we work with the Grammys, um, the Music Cares, and uh, that's one of one of the focuses, the initiatives that they focus on is musicians that feel that loneliness because even in the best of times you're alone you have a crowd out there cheering you on and whatever but you don't know who's out there listening sometimes and you don't you know you're on the road and you're town to town and you're in hotel rooms and strange places and um i think even as as a musician successfully you can feel that am i right that you can well well i was gonna i was gonna say something when I, i played in front of thousands of people and i've had people say what's it like to play in front of that many people. You know what? All you see is like maybe the first two rows because the lights, the staging, but it's like, it's like you're in you're, the band, you're all listening to each other and you're in ear things. You're just, you're just working, you know? And, it, you know, is that glamorous? I don't know. It's like, you know, but um, anyway, yeah. Well, I'm going to let everybody Take a listen, and uh, I'm sure this song will reach you. You've reached us. You reached me. Your story is fascinating, um, Jeff. It's so so good to uh, have you on here for the first time, and I hope it's the first time of many. Um, I want to thank Mark Platt too, a friend of yours that you guys have known mm-hmm. all your together all your lives. Thanks, Mark. For There's your- one thing that one day you're going to hear. I think the greatest thing that Mark Platt and I ever did together is called General Paddock. And it's it to this day, we did it in 1999. To this day, it still holds up. When you hear it, you're going to flip out. Just, to get, it's just Mark and I did it. I'll get a copy. We'll play it on one of, okay. on the, one of the next shows. All right, here it is. The new single, Jeff Scott, Talk to Me. Enjoy. And everybody out there, communicate, but listen more and evolve. Have a great day. Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you, sir.
This is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, your love, Holmes. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool.